There we go. Welcome, everybody. It's Thursday night. If you're listening to us live on the live stream, Thursday night. If you're going to listen to us throughout the week, it's whatever day you listen to us. We're almost to the weekend. That's right. Tomorrow, it's uh, it's Friday. If you, of course, if you work the weekends, well, God bless you, and uh, I hope it doesn't go too bad for you. But in the meantime, as always, listen to us on iTunes, Google, wherever you get your major podcast uh, from. And, of course, live stream, which is going on right now, Facebook, uh, YouTube, <clears throat> Twitch, and Twitter is where you can catch us right now. However, we're going to talk some college football today. It's an honor to have Brett Gibbons, the college football writer, <clears throat> excuse me, for the Lions Sport, for the Lions, not Lions, the Lions Sports Betting Podcast. Brett, welcome aboard. Thank you uh, for your time and uh, coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Really excited to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, welcome, Brett. Of course, you guys know David. David, our weekly guest, which I consider more of a co-host at this rate. Uh, David's back on with us for our usual normal Thursday, Thursday afternoon, early evening hours. But first things first, Brett, college football just around the corner. Most universities have kicked off uh, camp. This week and uh, even today for like for the University of Oklahoma. But without further ado, we got a lot of news. The SEC, uh, of course, we all were kind of blindsided by the pretty quick transaction of Oklahoma and Texas going to the going to the SEC time frame. Of course, twenty twenty five. A lot of people may think it's sooner, but we obviously don't know that by all means. But the answer but to ask you a question: Your first thoughts when this news broke? From the Houston Chronicle, and did you think like I personally won't lie? I thought it was clickbait. I, that's exactly what I thought it was. But kind of us on your side of what you thought this all transpired as. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to sit here and say that you know I I can see the future or see this kind of stuff. Right. For some reason that report came out of the Houston Chronicle. I'm kind of like, this seems like something that's been working behind the curtain for months, and like it's going to happen. I, I seriously saw at the beginning, I'm like this, I, I, I have a gut feeling this is going to be real. And it turned out to be, um, I I'm, you know, for years they've been talking about Texas, maybe going independent um, for years. They've been talking about Texas and Oklahoma being the big 12 and yeah, sure. You have Iowa state this year, no offense to Iowa state fans, but you know, Texas and Oklahoma are here, especially when it comes to revenue. Yep. Exactly. So, um, the news as surprising as it was at first, cause I didn't see it coming. Um, it makes a lot of sense for both teams. I mean, they're both culturally Big 12 programs, but on the national scale, uh, you know, they're SEC programs. And this is definitely a step in the direction of the SEC or power college football conference or, yeah, teams like maybe 32 of them break off from the rest of the NCAA and govern themselves. <clears throat> I'm actually, you know, pretty stoked about it. Of course, you know, when it first came out, Houston Chronicle reports it, you know, allegedly Texas A&M had some say in it. Whether or not that's true, I don't really know. Some reports here locally, I listened to um, the franchise 1077, is what, which, which I listen to here in the Oklahoma City area. And, of course, you know, their reports are coming out from them. But what they're hearing is, you know, Oklahoma, Texas working things out, you know, six, seven months prior to the announcement. So we obviously won't know the whole details and that's perfectly fine. <clears throat> I know that we're looking at 2025 at the earliest. I know probably truthfully, I'm sure Oklahoma and Texas will find a way to get out of the big 12 to get into the SEC. And the you brought it into it and we'll continue to talk about as a revenue. I mean, Oklahoma and Texas is half the big 12's revenue. They're uh, Commissioner Bowlesby came out saying, hey, it's eight mil probably at best for TV revenue now with the eight schools that's remaining intact. But uh, looking at the Big 12, I know Dave and I kind of talked about this. Where does the Big 12 go from here, um, here in the near future? <laughs> <laughs> I, I live currently in Big 12 country, and my fiance is an Oklahoma fan and Oklahoma State. And, you know, Big 12's finished. It, it is. Mm -hmm. They're, they're yep. either to dissolve into the Pac-12 or create some sort of merger with the Pac-12 and maybe reestablish the Western Athletic Conference, or I know that's in the uh, FCS currently, but they're not going to go and dip and pull up ULL. They're not going to pull up Houston. They're not going to pull up SMU. They're probably finished, and you're going to see a power four, mm -hmm. uh, whether the American can snipe some of those guys and get 
to be their power five, you know, remains to be seen. But I really think that they're going to dissolve and they could dissolve as early as next offseason. And then maybe the 2022 college football season is their final farewell. And then Oklahoma and uh, Texas just get right on to SEC play as early as potentially 2023. I'll be honest. I'm ready for it. <laughs> I'm pretty stoked. Uh, of course, you know, you look at Oklahoma State and not to not to make light. I got, you know, my brother's an OSU fan. My my boss, she's an OSU fan. I got some friends that's OSU and I respect the program. Mike Gundy's done a phenomenal job, uh, especially taking over Les Miles when he left for LSU. And of course, you know, you look at Mike Gundy, his mullet, and uh, unfortunately his his downfall is hasn't beat Oklahoma like I'm sure a lot of them were hoping for. You look at Oklahoma State, what's the more th- more realistic conference? Is it the Pac-12? I know that you get stuck with the, the West Conference, late night kickoff, so on and so forth, Oklahoma time-wise. But what's the more realistic? Are they kind of kind of right now kind of play with the, what they got in their play with the cards in their hands, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I think the Pac-12 makes the most sense for them. Um, it's kind of a strange thing to point out, but when you look at – TCU and Oklahoma State in the way that their kind of culture sits and uh, as an athletics program, they align more with the Pac-12. Um, look at their jersey arsenal. There's not many teams in the big – there's no teams in the Big 12 that really have the kind of new coming jerseys and they're always looking for the newest style and to be the best-looking team on the field. That aligns with the Pac-12. The Big 10 is more, you know, Penn State's uniforms hasn't changed in 120 years. Well, Oklahoma's uniforms haven't changed hardly in 120 years. So. You know, when you start to look at like, it's it's more about revenue streams, reach. That's why the Big Ten went and got Rutgers. Yep. Not because they're good, but because you get the New York City metro area and involved in the Big Ten. So if you're the Pac-12 and you're looking for Middle America, you can't have the SEC just taking the entire state of Oklahoma and everything north of it. You got to go get teams. So I think the Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor, probably Texas Tech, those guys are probably headed over to the Pac-12, whereas Kansas, I've heard, is very entrenched in talks with the Big Ten. Um, whether Kansas State follows them or goes to the Big 12 will be interesting. And then, of course, uh, you know, the straggler, West Virginia, is going to be headed to the ACC, I hear. That would be my guess. I, I miss the old backyard brawls with Pittsburgh and West Virginia, so I kind of hope that uh... – kind of hope that that and geographically and just everything else i think makes sense for west virginia to go to the acc schools like kansas state um let's say the pac-12 doesn't pick them up are they i hate to put them downfall to to the Man- manhattan kansas but are they really kind of you're looking at more of a mid um mid-major program at this rate independent maybe i i they're mm-hmm. See, I feel like they sit in a space where they can recruit and keep up with the Power Five. Right. So it doesn't make any sense for them to be going down to the American or, or the Conference USA or anything like that. Um, obviously, they haven't had a long-term success rate against the big boys, but they're 500 against Oklahoma in the past four seasons. Maybe even six. Yep. I think past four seasons, they, they're, they're 500 against Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for them to go down and just dominate the American and have no hope at you know college football playoff. They're shooting for a bit more than that. So if they were to get stuck where the Pac-12 won't accept them and there's no room in the Big Ten because Maryland or whatever stays put, maybe independent. Uh, you know that's, that's kind of tough. I I think that that that's the biggest uh, wild card when it comes to any of the teams out there right now. I would say so, and of course, you look at <clears throat> you look at uh, Kansas State. Of course, beating Oklahoma in the last two years, and and Manhattan's a tough place to play. Of course, as it is, the one school I'm really interested in is Iowa State. You know, I hear this Big Ten thing. You know, Matt Campbell's done a phenomenal job at Iowa State. Came close to beating Oklahoma in the Big Twelve Championship game uh, last year. Of course, beat him at first time in Ames and practically forever. Um, let's just say Big Ten says nah to Iowa State. Could you see them potential? Are they still a good fit for the Pac-12, or are they kind of with Kansas State, kind of middle of the pack, and we'll just have to kind of play with our cards and work with what we got? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, 
Oh boy, Iowa State. I think if if it's not Big Ten, it's it's nobody. <laughs> like they're yeah, that's where I'm at too. Yeah, they're they're so far away from the Pac-12, and I know geography at this point's like who cares, right? But you do have to think if you're <laughs> Iowa State executives and and ads and stuff. Like, do we really want to fly to LA mm-hmm. twice? Well, maybe they'll you know mix it up so that's only once, but uh, Tucson. Like, probably not. You probably don't want to. So I, I think it's going to be big time or bust for them. Again, I know I keep bringing up culture things, and but that matters when it comes to, you know, conference alignment. And the, the big, the, you know, um, Iowa State just matches with the Big Ten. And, of course, you can't – if they go to the Pac-12, of course, they're still going to keep their annual rivalry with Iowa. But if it now is in, you know, a race for the Big Ten West, that rivalry <laughs> – a lot more generates probably even more revenue than it already does and i I just can't see how they go anywhere besides the big 10 so i read your article um during lunch today and who's we're talking national championships would underdogs that i like and i love you know going through real quick um ohio state in the years past in like 2002 underdog usc was in 2003 would iowa state i really I like what Matt Campbell's done. They're practically, I don't remember exactly the numbers here um, without pulling them up, but they got almost the entire offense coming back from a really talented team from a year ago. Would they really have a legit shot? Of course, they they come to Norman, which they've been favored to win here in Norman, of course, going back to 2017. Um, But uh, you look at Iowa State, would you throw them in the mix with, um, of course, the USC's and the Ohio State's are really talented back in 03 and 02, but could Iowa State theoretically make a run and surprise a lot of teams this year? No. no. <laughs> <Because> their <laughs> expectations have been set so high right now that the only way that they can surprise people is by making the college football playoff. Yep. They're not taking the conference from Oklahoma. They're just not. Well, no, exactly. It comes, you know, college football is a coaching league. And yeah, Matt Campbell, awesome coach. He comes from Toledo in years past. I'm a Bowling Green grad. So even though he's my nice. rival, I like, oh man, right up, the, you know, right up the street, Ohio <laughs> guy and also Matt guy. So I, I root for him like nobody's business. But um, the reality is look at his record against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State and Texas yep. is not good. So I, I don't think that they go on a run. Um, you know, I, I write for the lines.com, which is a sports betting site. Mm-hmm. Uh, legal in your state, go and bet under uh, Iowa State's wins. Please, please, God. If there was something where I could bet twelve, <laughs> I would do it too. Because it's just I, – I just don't – I don't see it. They're, they're, every year you get this kind of America's sweetheart team preseason. Mm, doesn't always work out. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and fade uh, everything Iowa State. I love Brees Hall. I, I really do. I like the the fact that they're bringing most of, the, if not all, I, maybe even all five of their uh, offensive line starters back. I just don't see it. I can't, I can't see how, you know, we, yeah, they've beaten Oklahoma recently, but they're 7 they're, they're 7-77-2 against Oklahoma yeah. all time. I'll take history. Oh, by far. Absolutely. Oklahoma, I mean, my my favorite to win, I'll be, I'll be a little biased to win the Big 12. I mean, top to bottom, I think Oklahoma is just a better overall talented team. I think Big 12 this year is going to be kind of on, on the downhill this year. Can, is this the team, I know we always hear it locally, and I want to pick your brain on this with now from a national non-biased standpoint. Could this be Oklahoma's year to finally, do they have the team to finally get past that semifinal team, because you're looking at an Alabama team that's kind of re- quote-unquote rebuilding, not so much, but they lose some talent on that, you know, great team from last year and Ohio State and so on and so forth. Is this, if if they had to pick a year to win it, could this be the year and do they have the team to to get the job done finally for the first time since 2000? Uh, I wouldn't bet on it, no. Um, I wouldn't bet on them. Honestly, when it comes down to playoff selection, Oklahoma, as bad as is, as flawed as of a selection process that is, Oklahoma has shown their cards. It's similar right. to Notre Dame. The, the, the playoff committee, and even though this is a new team, the playoff committee has seen mm-hmm. what Oklahoma's about. They want to get new teams in. They want to see something else. So, so even yep. if it comes down to a one-loss Oklahoma or one-loss Georgia or a one-loss Penn State or a one-loss Wisconsin – they're going to give the nod to all three of those teams over Oklahoma, especially since Big 12 is falling apart, this national stigma, the Big 12 and its competition. They're going to be looking at it and being like, 
okay, they beat OK State. That's great. OK State's number two. That's the best one on the season. Like, you know, it's going to be something. Okay, they beat Nebraska. That's cool, too. You know, for right. and West. So it's, I don't think so. I think they have a better chance of not making a playoff than they do winning a playoff game. Are they talented enough? Absolutely. They got some great coaching. But when you say Alabama's relo- uh, rebuilding, they're just reloading. We exactly. Them, yeah. We all said the same thing a year ago when yep. Ua was gone and they, they lost all these guys. Mm-hmm. Yep. Alabama, whatever. No, no, no. Yeah. They got dudes. I mean, you look at national program. I'm an Ohio State fan, so I'm going to be a little biased against it. But you look at Ohio State, they have four quarterbacks on their roster that are all five star prospects. Yep. I don't know if Oklahoma can compete with that. Still concerned with the defense. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. Yeah, and reasonably so. I mean, the, nationally, they ranked pretty well in, in terms of right. you know, uh, points allowed and, and rushing yards allowed and passing yards allowed. But unfortunately, when you have a team that plays so high tempo and so efficiently and, you know, one one play scores like like Oklahoma does, your defense is going to give up points. It could be mm-hmm. defense. It could be Wisconsin's defense. It could be one of the best defenses in the country. You're going to give up points because you're on the field more. You're seeing more snaps defensively. Um, and when it comes to that, I just – I don't know. I really don't. I, I can't see a path where Oklahoma is going to be winning a semifinal game. It's going to be tough, and I think what concerned – the concerning part is, and I hope it transitions into better success when we get into the ACC, um, whether it's 22, 23, or 25, doesn't matter when, but is – and I think it hurts us to an extent is the talent in the Big 12 isn't – of course, and we can't compare it to the SEC because let's be honest – 10 of the teams, or I guess nine remaining teams, are probably going to be up on these the rest of the nine Big 12 teams. And I think all of them could be up on, not all of them, but oh, of course, Alabama, Georgia, uh, LSU, I'm sure at times can beat Oklahoma. doesn't matter where it's at. Um, I think the lack of not really so much competition, but talent that is kind of hurting Oklahoma to prepare for the Final Four or the, you know, Florida, you know, that's cool that we be up on them, but you know, it's it is what it is, but college playoff expansion. Uh, it's twenty twenty. I think was a year that we probably could have used it. Cincinnati, Georgia, OU was hot, even though they were a two loss team. They were a hot team coming in towards the end of the year. Um, you look at the overall um, landscape of college football. Is the expansion whether you know obviously it's going to happen eventually. Is the expansion a good thing for the sport, or are we going to get to the where it's once we get the OUs and I'm not really talking about Texas right now, but once we get to the SECs, more quote unquote favoritism towards one conference than the other, or are we just going to have a potential landslide in some of these first round games? Not any more landslides than we've already had. You look at it. Right. You know, I'm just, I'm just throwing it off the cusp here. I think the average uh, point margin in those semifinal games has been something like 24, 24 and a half points, like something, something ridiculous. So I, I think that the expansion is good for the sport. I mean, you look at Cincinnati, Georgia, okay. Cincinnati didn't win, but that was maybe the most entertaining bowl game of the whole season. And, you know, everyone outside of Athens, Georgia was rooting for Cincinnati to win. They, they were. So I think it's good for the sport. And yeah, sure. You're going to have, Landslides. You're going to have, you know, I know that they're talking about like Alabama having a first round bye. Let's say they, you know, they didn't win the SEC or whatever. They don't get a first round bye. They win by 45. It's one. And people are going to point to that and be like, see, we need the four team back. It was so much better with four teams. No, it wasn't. You know, and, and so what? We end up with the same four teams in the end. Probably you go back and you look at some of these brackets and it really kind of ends up just about the same, if, if not maybe one team difference. But it does open the door for that one year where Cincinnati just runs the table and ends up in the national championship or, you know, a team like that just gets hot at the right time. Like you said, Oklahoma. Yeah, sure. They, they start off one and two, but boy, by the end of the year, you see what they did to Florida, who is one of the, the only team that gave Alabama a game. Oklahoma was a great team at the end of the year. And to give them a chance to be like, you know what? The beginning of your season, we get it. You lost against a couple of upstart teams that were really excited to play. And, now you get a chance in the, you know, the, the playoff and you can still win. And the playoff is good for the, the league because it just brings in more money. I mean, the Armed Forces Bowl here in Fort Worth is making some money, but not really. It's more gimmicky. So if you put the Armed Forces Bowl in the, in the playoff, it's going to make a whole lot more money for the sponsors and the cause. You, I'm glad you brought that up. What's the noise 
like in in Fort Worth? Is there any course I know OU Texas is all you know they kind of ticked off the Big Twelve, but what's the real noise besides reports reports that actually is going on in the Fort Worth area? Is there any noise coming out of Fort Worth area that's good, bad, or indifferent for the Big Twelve to try to survive, or not really anybody really caring? Well, I'm. Out of Fort Worth, I don't really know. Uh, yeah, I'm sure TCU would like for the Big 12 to sustain because they win right. a bunch of games. And going to the back 12, you know, they, they might align with it, but geographically that's just tough to fly up to Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford all the time. But I, I haven't really, you know, geographically I haven't heard a whole lot. It really is just kind of centered around Texas and OU. I mean, you, you did see the – I don't know if you guys saw the video of the um, – Texas state representative who uh, was taking a jab at Texas president saying that, you know, bringing up their record against TCU and because she's TCU grad. So that's about all I've heard. I mean, I I haven't really heard more of the the local buzz, more of just kind of the national and everything else. Everyone else has been hearing. Um, If Kansas goes to the big 10, do you think that they'll, uh, they'll continue to be everybody's whipping tree or will they actually be able to compete? I can't see how they win too many more games than they already have. I mean, they're, they're losing it. They're getting their doors blown off by Coastal. It, you know, they sure they get to play Rutgers and Maryland on the off years and, you know, Illinois and that kind of stuff. But it's Big Ten plays physical, man. And they if they can't win in the Big 12 and you come over to the Big Ten, Big Ten's going to – I don't care what team it is. I don't care if it's a, a one in nine Rutgers team. They're going to come out and they're going to kick you in the teeth. It's just how the Big Ten is played and, you know – Imagine when Kansas has to go up against Wisconsin, the size difference in that. When they have to go against Ohio State, it's going to be about the same. I mean, revenue-wise, it's great for them because the Big Ten earns most revenue, even more than the SEC, believe it or not. It earns most revenue year over year. So Kansas is going to earn a ton of money, and they're going to earn a ton of money from more Big Ten teams going to bowl games and winning them and stuff. Um, but as far as the competition level, it's going to be Kansas at the bottom, Rutgers at the bottom pretty much annually. I know Rutgers is having a, a fun year and people like to see them win five or six games this year, but uh, you know, just perennially they're, yeah, they're, they're going to remain at the bottom. It is. And uh, one of the things is, is um, I was looking at West Virginia, you know, they left the big East to come to the big 12 in 2012. It's about nine years ago. And now they could go to the ACC and, you know, do that kind of thing. Where, who do you think is the, uh, is there such a team as an odd man out where, you know, there's not a, a team that's in the Big 12 now that can't find a home anywhere else? Do they drop down to the mid-major or where do you think that goes and who that team is? That's a great question. It, it really is. Um, if Baylor didn't have so much money as a university and as an athletic program, I'd say possibly them, but they've even had their years where they've been relevant nationally. TCU definitely won't. They just, they were a mid-major program and they they stepped up and, and proved that they belong where they belong. So I don't think any of the teams of the Big 12 could possibly follow those mid-majors. Maybe Kansas State entertains the idea of the, the American, but how can you when Kansas is, is moving to the Big 10? So optics, money, you, you can't do that. I just, I can't see a team from the Big 12 right now that would possibly drop down to a mid-major. Now, whether they go and pull a surprise move on us and pull up SMU in Houston and, you know, for a couple of years and then it doesn't work out then those guys might drop back down. But I, I just can't see any of them right now with how much money they have and how, how well funded their athletic departments are and what kind of recruiting, you know, prowess they have that they're going to drop down to a mid-major. Yeah. Speaking of mid-majors, you know, and <clears throat> we always hear, of course, conference realignment, I'm sure is going to continue with the next five years or so. Could we to see some stability whether it's financially or just try to keep up with the big boys can we see like a mid-american uh, merge with let's say geographically makes more sense with the atlantic uh, athletic uh, atlantic athletic conference the aac or do we see just one of these things maybe if the WAC comes back from the f from the fcs back up to the fbs whether or not that happens we won't obviously know um right now but could potentially merge with the Mountain West and so on and so forth? Or do you think we're just going to have the four power fours and then you're going to get stuck with the, the remaining mid-majors? For a while. Yeah, for, for a while, it's you know it's going to be that way. And 
it'll college football retain its same similar structure over the next five or so years until the next giant realignment comes, which to be honest, the next time there's a realignment, it's going to be the big powers breaking away from the little ones. So you might reclassify the FCS as, I guess you can't really do division two, but you're going to reclassify the divisions and you're going to have maybe the, the current mid majors are going to classify themselves as division one. And then you have the FCS and then you have Division Two, Division Three, NAIA, JUCO, and then your Power Fives might become a semi-pro league. If if that's why, maybe they you know they sign contracts, that kind of stuff. I mean, we're already kind of on the cusp of that as is. Um, and I know people that are traditionalists, and you know, I I would hate to see it become a semi-pro, but mm-hmm. really, I don't know how much it's really going to change the product that we see on TV. And you know. We, we have people talking about, well, it makes it unfair for the Alabamas and the Ohio States and Clemson who's just going to pay their players more and they're all going to go to the same school. That's not true, actually. Right now, we already see all the top prospects going to the same school. And if anything, if not that, then the same conference. And if you allow teams to be able to pay up, I saw a tweet one time in somebody in opposition to the NIL uh, laws that came and they said, oh, so UTSA can just go out right now. A wealthy donor can just give a top prospect $5 million to play for them. That's not fair. I'm like, no, that's great. I want to see the top. It's it's like playing NCAA 14 on, you know, on your on your PS3. You're a five-star blue chip prospect. And you go to UTSA and play in the national relevance. That's, I want to see that. Like, I love that. So I, I think actually the, you know, the, the, the concept of it being a semi-pro league and being able to pay those players might actually level the playing field a bit more because you'll have a Iowa State, I know they're good right now, but you'll have like a Northwestern or somebody pay like a number one recruit a bunch of money. They come there, they're relevant for a few years. <laughs> I love that. I can't. I'm. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, Madden. Well, that too. I'm looking forward to the uh, to college football back on on xbox and the playstations and what have you of course i saw i noticed um brett that you travel a lot to a lot of these stadiums is it more of a hobby or is it actually something that hey is part of my gig or what have you because that, that's pretty awesome i'm kind of jealous of you brett <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun um boy if i could get paid for it that'd be amazing but unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging my bank account is, is really all it does. So yes, sir. Yeah, I've been to uh, 98 of the FBS stadiums and we're shooting for 130 here. Um, just went to 30 of them over the course of eight days this past summer. Um, it's a lot of fun and, you know, some time for myself. And I, mm-hmm. I really just do it to kind of I, I show people, you know, what everything's like and kind of create this central spot where you can see all these, uh, you know, stadiums and, and tradition stuff. Because before, when I was younger, I kept looking for a site that would show me all the best traditions and what all the stadiums look like and what the campuses are like and what the food's like. But that really doesn't exist. It's really hard to find. Yep. So then you get people like myself. There's a, I, I'm one of very, very many. There's a whole bunch of other people that are doing this, some lots better than I am, of college football travelers. Mm-hmm. And that's where you got to look for. That you know, There's no single site right now that's like, Hey, you're going to a game at Ole Miss. Here's the top five things to do. Hey, you're going to Appalachian State. Here's what the town's like. Here's what Boone's like. Uh, you know, you're headed to Wyoming. Here's two things you have to eat while you're there. That doesn't exist. So that's why I'm out to do one to just enjoy myself, but two to just share it with everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Brett, I have a question for you here. Um, I'm looking at OU, a Gaylord family. University of Oklahoma Memorial Statement, it's official name, everybody calls it the Palace on the Prairie. And the current capacity uh, since 2019 is 80,126. There are a ton of SEC stadiums that are easily over 100,000. I was just looking at your article, state ranking the stadiums that can seat over 100,000. Is that going to be a difference when Oklahoma is now realizing when they get to the SEC that they're in the bottom list of capacities? Do they once they you know get that revenue source going? Do they immediately make plans to expand so they can compete with Alabama, who can see, you know, one hundred and one? I think Tennessee seats just over one hundred and two. Yeah, I'm. I mean, that's that's a great question. I college football is an arms race. There, there's this amazing arms race going on that you see in these venues, the facilities, and yeah, of course Oklahoma is going to partake. But the benefit to them is they already have yep. some of these top level facilities, and they actually just did a renovation. 
not terribly long ago. I, I don't know the year, but it's been within the past 10 years where they completed one of the end zones, and it's beautiful. They, they added in some luxury box and stuff. Um, the press box needs updating. I think that's where the first money's going to go. As far as expansion goes, if they find it fit to, sure. But in, you know, maybe the, the one end zone that has a clock on it, I don't know if it's north or south, but that one could probably add another level to it and add maybe 15,000 more. But I don't know if they need to. It's because right now they're, they're packing this place out so easily. I want to go buy a ticket to a game where Texas Tech is down. Texas Tech. I love Texas Tech. They're my Texas team, but they're not high-level competition. The tickets were $90. Mm-hmm. And they're hosting Nebraska. You can't buy a ticket. Nope. There are season ticket holders mm-hmm. and alumni, donors. That's all the people that got the tickets to that game. And Nebraska, quite frankly, is not very good. I mean, I know no. it's this historic rivalry, but they sold that thing out to the point where they don't even need to sell individual game tickets. So, you know, could they expand? Sure. And, yes, they would continue to sell out. Do they need to? I don't really think so. Yeah. What's the coldest game you've ever been to? <laughs> so I went to a Kansas game a couple of years ago, and I was looking forward to it. And we're tailgating. It's about 6 p.m. And it's got this cool breeze going. The sun goes down, and it's like for every 10 minutes, the temperature's up like 20 degrees. And we left in the third quarter because we couldn't sit down. Our butts were numb. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that. So I've never been cold as a fan, yes, but actually the coldest game that I've been to was when I was working at Bowling Green as, as a recruiting assistant, and we played at Kent State on Halloween night. And so we show up, and it's about high of 35. I mean, that's just, you know, Western Ohio, it is what it is. Well, Ohio, Kent State, Eastern Ohio, but it's about 35 in the middle of the day, and it drops down to about 20, maybe 18 to 20 at kickoff. Oh, well, I'm on, you know, I'm, I'm with the staff, so I'm not going to show up in a big parka and giant gloves and stuff. I'm standing there in a, in a BG jacket and a coach comes over and I got like my, my hat pulled down and stuff. And he hands me a couple of hand warmers and a skull cap, a, a heat skull cap. He's like, you're cold here. You'll put these on. So you put them on. But, and, and there was about maybe 500, 600 people this game. That's it. Because it's Halloween night, it's midweek matching, and it's freaking cold. So, you know, we're 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 freezing our butts off. But these, uh, because it was Halloween, the Kent State student section was dressed up in costumes, and you know what some of those costumes can look like. And there's people mm-hmm. in spaghetti over there, and I'm like, my God, what are we doing? <laughs> that was the coldest game. Of the season. <laughs> going blowing out 44-16, so it wasn't even interesting to watch. There's nobody in the stands. It was quiet. It was a Tuesday. And we had about a, a two and a half hour bus ride back to BG after that at about midnight. Um, so that was the coldest and most miserable game I've ever been to. <laughs> Speaking of continuing with the games, I, I saw on the schedule on the on the website that uh, your plan is coming here for the OU Nebraska. It was. It was. Now it's no longer. So I'm actually, I've opened that week back up to other games. I really wanted to be there. Um, I, for some reason, held held out hope that uh, that the tickets were going to be, you know, under $560, which what the current on third parties. Um, but I will be in Norman at least once this year. I only live about two hours, two hours, 30 minutes away. So I will be there for something. I just need to pinpoint which game it is. Yeah. Speaking of which, I don't know if he's saying, is it just me or does TCU have an electrical gremlin in their stadium? Because I remember I think it was last year or the year before, the play clock quit working in the middle of the game. And they had to, uh, the officials had to have a stopwatch and keep the play clock going. That's really interesting. I, I, I was not there. I haven't experienced that, uh, surprisingly. They're, and their stadium's really nice. And boy, that, that school costs you you know, a life savings to go to. So um, it might, I mean, Texas is like one of the only States to be on their own independent power grid. And if people are paying attention to the news back in February, you saw how well that went for us when we had a winter storm. So very well could be. Oh yes. I remember that. I remember them <clears throat> shutting off the power for about, uh, about two hours and it was minus 14. That was not fun. No. But yeah. going, uh, content, kind of going back to your tour of stadiums, what would be, 
I'm not going to say worst experience because that's kind of bad. I don't want to ex expose other universities. But where would you rank, Pablo? Let's say your top five, top three best stadiums so far that you visited um, from just appearances in general, just experience overall. LSU is number one. Uh, Ohio State's number two. Texas A&M is number three. I don't know if is that necessarily in that order. So before people jump on me, for right? Above <laughs> this. Um, it's so hard. I if, if I had to go to five, I'd add Michigan up there as well. It was a lot of fun. Um, it's just kind of hard because I've had individual game experiences that have been better than others at universities. Right. That not have the prestige and stuff just because I was fortunate enough to get invited to do a tailgate or behind the scenes or whatever it is. Um, but LSU, all I can pretty confidently say all around has the best game day in the country. And Ole Miss fans can come fight me, and Alabama fans can come fight me. Uh, it is what it is. I'm sorry. They have the best – I mean, home-cooked Cajun food. They're the most widespread and most elaborate tailgating of anybody. You start tailgating – you know, everyone starts tailgating early in the morning, but you tailgate the whole time. And then they play, you know, night Saturday night in Death Valley is one – it's a tradition. I mean, it's, it's so different. So then you have that game environment. Even when they blow the doors off a team, it's exciting. And the stadium's huge. They have a live tiger mascot. It's it's all around LSU, I, I think, has the best game day in the country. That's one stadium I would love to visit. And obviously now it could be sooner than later. But I could just picture, <clears throat> I'm sure at any given time of day, but just that 7 p.m. kickoff at Death Valley in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, just something about that just sparks the energy, just gives you goosebumps. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I was fortunate enough to – the game that I went to at LSU was a night game when they hosted Ole Miss, so the tailgating was off the charts. It was pretty great. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's just – it's different. And people kept telling me it's different. It's different. Diff it's different. I'm like, okay, I, I get it. Like, college football in the South is different. They're mm -hmm. like, no, bro, it's different. And I got there, <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. They played like a I, – I think Ole Miss was like the, like one and four or something, two and four at the time, and – they beat him, I think, 45 to 16 or something. And this was pretty, like, elite Joe Burrow. This was, like, 2018 Joe Burrow. And that stadium is just – it's mm -hmm. – the second loudest I've been in, I, I will give the nod to A&M. They're a little bit louder, but mm – -hmm. yeah. it's, it's just – Doug touched on that last week about, you know, the debate between Seattle Seahawks and Kyle Field, who's the – he has the original 12th man. You know, they lay claim to it, but – I told him last week, I said, well, Texas A&M actually pulled the guy out of the stands decades ago and had him play, and that's where they get the 12th man from. But, yeah, you, you have to give it to A&M on that one. Sorry, Seahawks fans. Yeah. You know, the, I was going to ask you, what's the um, what's the best tradition in college football? Um, because I think it's Clemson when they play at home. You know, they have the locker rooms on one side of the stadium. They get dressed. They get on the bus. They get a police escort around the stadium to the other side. They climb the steps, touch the rock, and run onto the field. I don't think there's anything much cooler than that in college football. It's a good one. It, it really is. It's it's a top-tier one for sure. Um, I'm a huge sucker for the for the Kinnick wave when they wave to the kids at the hospital. I know it's a newer one, so you know it is what it gets knocked down a few points, I guess, for, for being new. Um, as an Ohio State fan, I'm wearing the script Ohio shirt, so I got to say dotting the I is also a great one. Um, yeah. Texas A&M has a pretty cool tradition where the cadets walk from their quarters wherever they get ready, and they parade all around campus. And the cool thing is, you know, everyone minds, and you watch them. They're, they're a great band, and they play the Aggie War March the whole time. They are the Aggie War hymn, sorry. Uh, they walk past me, and once they walk past you, everyone falls in line and follows them to the stadium. Yeah. It's it's. It, it's giving me chills right now talking about it. it it's seriously mm -hmm. an amazing tradition. I love it so much. That's one of my personal favorites. As far as best goes, it's just, it's hard to say because you ask a Florida state fan and it's chief Osella doing the spear plant at, at midfield. And, you know, you ask a Penn state fan and this or whiteout and you ask a, a Virginia tech fan, it's enter Sandman. I mean, it's really subjective. So it I can't, is. I cannot argue possibly with the Howard's rock saying that that's one of the best traditions absolutely is. Um, as far as my favorite tradition, I, I got to say it, that A&M March is just, it's something else. But, you know, the dotting the I for, for Script Ohio has a special yeah. point to me. Yeah, here's another question that just popped in my head, and I hope that it doesn't happen. But with this wave of political correctness that's unfortunately sweeping the nation, you've got the Washington, formerly known as Washington Redskins, now the Washington football team. 
You got the Cleveland Indians. Now they're going to be the Cleveland Guardians, which are flying baseball. I mean, it's not college football, but flying baseball is the dorkiest logo in the history of mankind. Just don't get me wrong on that. I think it looks stupid. You know, I wanted a shield or something like that, and they gave me a baseball with wings. Who do you think are the Angels? But um, the uh, do you see a point in the near future where Florida State does away with Osceola because people might think it's racist? I don't think so because they have the backing of the Seminole tribe that told them that they could keep their name and their logo. And it's really all about local outrage. You know, we, we can look at it on a, on a grand scale and be like, Oh, it's the, you know, the, the turn of the tide. But as long as the local tribe, whatever it's named after gives them an okay, I think it's going to be okay. I can't think of another example in which it happened, but I, I did hear it happen at least one other time when they're talking about the Washington football team's team, uh, uh, team name change but yeah the, the Seminole tribe has already been like guys we're good we're cool like it's fine keep keep what you're doing um and and at the very least you know the the chief is a very accurate representation of the culture whereas yeah I'm, I'm a born and raised Indians fan chief Wahoo you look at it there's probably better ways to represent them so you know the the, the chief is a very accurate representation I think that they're 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 good with it they, they've signed off on it so I don't see that going away anytime soon of course, um, being a Ohio State fan, um, how does Ohio State look right now? Of course, your kind of expectation, of course, camp started just now, so we can't get too much. But what's the feel in Columbus, and what should the Buckeyes kind of look forward to this year in, in the, with Coach Day and the Buckeyes? Same old, same old. I mean, for, for the past five years, they've been – one of the top national powers in college football playoff. And yeah, we, you know, we got boat raced by Alabama who didn't. So, right. you know, you know, it's just back to Ohio state where we're looking for an undefeated season. And um, I think that could happen. You know, uh, Oregon's a tough game, but, but, you know, we, we I think we host Penn state this year. Nope. We play at Penn state. Good God. Okay. So, I, I, you know, you could, you could talk about one, one loss for the Buckeyes there. I, I think that they can, pretty much get it done but expectations are always going to remain you know we're a top team and if we fall out if we finish out of the top five that's a failure for for the fan base for the coaching staff for the players um you know there's the quarter the quarterback competition kind of between uh you know cj stroud that's like gonna be the starter even when uh quinn ewers does show up to campus but um i'll, I'll take ewers all day next year but i think cj stroud's gonna be leading our offense this year he's a talented young man look who the heck he has to throw to the best probably the best without a question, receiving duo in the nation with Olave and Garrett Wilson. And you've you've just weapons all around. You have a strong offensive line that we didn't have last year. Offensive line was bad last year. Defensive line is getting a little bit better. A lot of guys return there. They're just one of those programs where you can just kind of chalk them up for a top five finish every year. You know, uh, Brett, last year Ohio State only played five games in the entire season. And got into the college football playoffs, sparking a huge controversy. I mean, I know you're a homer. I mean, you're wearing a dang shirt. So what was your opinion on the uh, – when they – because the Big Ten originally said you have to play six games in order to be considered for the college – because they weren't originally going to play at all. And then they announced, that, okay, we're going to play – I think it was like a eight-game schedule, nine-game schedule. I can't remember last year. But they ended up playing – a game and then it get getting canceled because of positive test and positive test after positive test. And then they said, okay, you had to play six games in order to qualify for the college, the conference championship game, which is you have to win your conference supposedly to get into the college football playoff. But then the big game, Ohio State, Michigan gets canceled. Now Ohio State only played five games. Big 10 powers get together. We're going to change the rule. So we don't want Ohio State to miss out because they're not going to play in the conference championship game. They end up playing Northwestern, beating them pretty easily, getting into the college football playoff, winning their semifinal game, and then getting, unfortunately, destroyed by Alabama, which we, you figured was going to happen anyway. But what were your thoughts when all that happened last year? It's a business, man. It, it is. And where does your money lie? Your money lies in Ohio State. If, you know, money lies in Michigan, no matter how good or bad they are, you know, money lies in Penn State. So if it's, you know, we get a Northwestern Ohio State final or we get a Northwestern, I'm 
I know they weren't any good, but Michigan State, like, unfortunately, TV ratings and money just aren't there. So on an integrity level, probably not the best thing to walk back your previous thing. But, you know, in 2020 hindsight, you look at it, they Trey Sermon ran for 300 yards on on Northwestern, and then they went in and and the score was a little bit closer, but Ohio State beat the crap out of Clemson, like beat yeah. – heck out of them so mm-hmm. you look at it in 2020 hindsight you're like yeah that was the right move at the time yeah people were upset and i'm as an ohio state fan i'm kind of like oh, God, don't look at me like i, I don't make this decision but it's where it's where the money is college football at, at its very core is a business i'm a sport management major so you were taught from day one sports are a business yep. your favorite player does not care about you they care about their own personal brand. Your team does not care. Sorry, fans. They don't care about you unless you're the Green Bay Packers and you own them. And, and you're it's just they just don't. And, and you know, it's great for the for, for them, especially in college. They give back a lot to the fans and, and it's a lot. But at the end of the day, fans don't have a say so. Writers don't have a say so. The media doesn't have a say so. It's money. And unfortunately, there. Well, no. Fortunately for for us, mm-hmm. there's a lot of money in Ohio State, and it proved to be the correct decision in hindsight. You, know, you, you don't really hear too much about it right now because it, it paid off. But say Ohio State went into the college football playoff and and Clemson ran them out of the building, we'd still be talking about that decision. But in 2020 yeah. hindsight, it was the correct yeah. one. It was. And uh, last week, Mike mentioned that. Uh, Spencer Rattler, quarterback from Oklahoma, is now charging supposedly charging one hundred fifty dollars for an autograph. Do you uh, what do you think this this NIL thing takes college football? Guys have been getting paid. I, I hate to say it, it's just now public, and you know maybe not to the same extent, but I, I kind of see it as like you know people can furl their brow at, at Quinn Ewers leaving high school early. And be, oh, he needs an education. No, he doesn't. You're going to get an education and get a job. He's leaving for a job and then he's going to, you know, whether or not he succeeds in, let, let's say he's a total, fa- I mean, God forbid, he's not going to be a failure. He's number one, you know, recruit in the nation. Let's say he's a total failure to Ohio state has no future in the NFL. doesn't matter. He can go back to Columbus and well, mm-hmm. you, I, in, in this case, come back to DFW and get a job. Someone will hand him a job it's selling used cars or being a spokesman. I, I think it's good for them. I'm, I haven't been of the belief that college football players haven't been getting paid because I've worked in college athletics and I saw they were getting compensated. I'm not going to say paid because they weren't, but they were getting compensated. A lot of their meals right. are getting paid for, a lot of their expenses are being stressed off. But when it comes down to it, these universities are using their image and likeness anyway. Mm-hmm. They're just scratching off the name. That was a problem with the NCAA uh, you know, video game where, yeah, that's kind of unfair. No one should be able to replicate my stats and jersey and number and sell it and be like, oh, no, this isn't Brett Gibbons. This is quarterback number four. Exactly. Like, yeah. We know who it is. So exactly. I, that's I the way it was. When I, um, like this, the last NCAA football game I played before it went defunct was NCAA 08. And, oh and it was like there was no names. It was all, you know, like QB1, QB2, wide receiver four, whatever. Yeah. And then you had Oklahoma coach. You had to go in and edit the names because they couldn't use them. And it just felt weird because it felt like I was just playing. I mean, I paid like like 40 bucks for it brand new. And it was like, I'm not getting $40 worth of video game. You know, I'm playing like, I felt like I'm playing a generic game of football with just, you know, stadiums and everything. But um, do you see uh, Quinn Edwards starting a new, uh, new, well, I wouldn't say tradition, but new trend where kids leave high school early because they feel like they have the talent to compete at the collegiate level rather than, you know, play a senior year, risk getting hurt and then losing everything. Certainly. And I mean, you see it in the, in, in college going to the pros too. You, you talk to guys all the time, like, look, you're a first round draft pick or a second round draft pick, beat it, get out of here. Don't get hurt. I mean, you see guys who have gotten hurt and then their uh, stock draft stock plummets. So, uh, yeah, I, I I think frankly, yes, he he will start a trend. But we've also seen it in the NBA, where instead of going to uh, you know out of high school, instead of going and playing college, they're going and playing in the G League. And you saw a couple of guys get drafted out of the G League this year. And it's a scary concept. Going into it is kind of a scary concept. But the bottom line is, is it didn't. I I don't really care for the NBA too much, but it hasn't changed the NBA one bit. No, nope. I, I, I don't believe that guys foregoing their senior year of high school to go play college ball 
is going to affect college at all. You know, you'll get some of these guys like, oh, God, can you believe the 17-year-old is out here throwing 48 touchdowns this season? That's fine because someone's going to throw those 48 touchdowns anyway, so who cares how old they are? So, yeah, I, I think it'll start a trend. I don't believe it's going to be a negative trend personally. Um, I think it's going to work out just fine. Yeah, do you think that any of these kids might get in over their heads, though, where, you know, they're not mentally prepared for the collegiate, you know, like, you know, Quinn Edwards, I don't know what high school he's from. Is he from Ohio itself or is he from somewhere else? No, he's from South Lake. Yeah, he plays for South Lake Carroll, which is yeah. like a, like a top 10 national program. It has like seven top uh, division or state titles in the state of Texas and all that good stuff. It's very prestigious. So actually, if anything, he's probably the most prepared for college of any okay. high school. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. But to answer your question, now, yeah. Yeah, and then now we prepared and they like get there and like, you know, these – the college lifestyle, so to speak, are not mentally prepared. And then, you know, you open up the, you, you, I mean, we used to go out and get the one paper, but the newspaper, newspaper print dying, going away to dinosaur. That's all on your, on your electronic device. But you get the morning news, you get a notification from ESPN or some other that some college kid was arrested for underage DUI, you know, because he went out partying, you know, like he, like Ohio State, you know, knocked off Michigan. It was his first ever big game. Uh, so to speak, and went out partying and then decided to take a chance and got busted to be why now season's over. You know, that might be a thing where a kid jumps jumps the gun a little bit because he's not mentally ready. Yeah, de- definitely. But, I mean, you guys got doing – you got guys doing that anyway. And <laughs> speaking from experience, I'm sure you guys can speak from experience too, your cognitive difference between 17 and 18 is nothing. Yeah, you might be legal, but that's a legal status. I mean, you're – your brain between the age of 17 doesn't just flip a switch at 18 and be like, all right, I can make good decisions. If anything goes the other way and you make worse decisions. So um, you you got Baker Mayfield was out there getting tackled by the cops and getting arrested and stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's going to happen. But as far as guys jumping the gun, I I absolutely agree. Yes, that will happen. Um, But it also happens from college to the pros where guys leave college early um, or not early like Tim Tebow goes to the pros like, holy cow, or Christian Hackenberg famously from Penn State goes to the league and is like, wow, I'm not ready for this, and they never will be. And, you yeah. know, it, it'll it affect some, but the overall, you know, won't really affect it too much. Yeah, and, but, and yeah, you know, speaking point. of Baker Mayfield, there was, was a joke years and years ago when it happened that all the schools that were playing Oklahoma now wanted to sign that cop because he's the only one that could tackle Baker Mayfield. <laughs> well, now that's not the case because he can get – Takes a bunch of sacks because you know he's not yeah, that up. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> real quick, to- <laughs> and he's my quarterback. <laughs> real quick, as we wrapped up the show here in the last uh, almost six minutes. Real quick, of course, being a Ohio State fan, what's your thoughts on uh, Urban Meyer being Jacksonville's head coach, and how well do you think he'll do in Jacksonville? Not very. I think he's I think he's going to try. I mean, I just look at Nick Saban's stint with the Miami Dolphins. Didn't mm-hmm. go very well. The best college coaches are really, really good because they're totally in charge of the program. Urban Meyer was 100% in charge of Ohio State football. He's not 100% in charge in Jacksonville. And I think that they gave him a bit of drafting say because you saw him go in and draft Travis. Mm-hmm. They already had undrafted James Robinson, who went for 1,000 yards. So, um I don't think it's going to work very well. I mean, he's also at a organization that doesn't exactly have a track record of being well put together or winning. Um, he's going to try, but I think we're going to look back in about 10 years and be like, God, remember when Urban Meyer coached the Jags? It, I don't think it's going to go over well. I don't have very high hopes for them. Um, sucks to be tra- uh, Trevor Lawrence. I, I know. <laughs> he's generational talent, but man. That is not the place you want to end up in. I, I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong. I would like I wish the best for him and, and mm-hmm. I hope that Trevor Lawrence comes out to be this, you know, ungodly quarterback, but I just don't I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> of course I'm prepping for a uh, a big college football preview show here within the next week or two, probably the uh, two weeks from tonight. Obviously, you know, we always talk pre you know predictions and so on and so forth nowadays with the I love college football because it's unpredictable. Who are, who would you be your top? Assuming I don't think the college expansion is going to kick in, but let's just say it's, it's a top four. Who's your top four teams going into the playoffs this year? Uh, I'll take Alabama number one, Clemson number two, Ohio State three, Oklahoma four. I think that they're that's a tier. 
and then there's mm -hmm. a drop below them. I don't think that, you know, you could talk about Georgia or A&M. I don't really see it, um, especially with both of their schedules playing in the SEC. They're bound to lose a game or two. Uh, Oklahoma and Ohio State, they don't have to lose any games. So, I, yeah, I, I think Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, it's a boring four, uh, but, you know, accuracy, that's what I'm looking for there. <laughs> I won't say mine, but uh, I'm just going to be honest. It's probably – it's pretty close to yours. Yeah, mine is too. I mean, Alabama's at the top. There's, I mean, they're, they're, they're at the top of the food chain. They're going to stay there for some time because – they show they can lose a bunch of players and they just run, okay, next man up. And what they're doing is, is everyone knows what they're doing is that they're preparing these players, you know, these juniors and sophomores, when they're not playing on the stage, they're preparing them and working in with the offense. And then they're just, you know, they're ready to go, you know. And, you know, it's, it's time for these other schools to step up and say, we need to start doing what they're doing because it's the only way you're going to compete. Yeah, and you're going to see a guy this year, uh, Brian Robinson, running back for Alabama. Mm -hmm. We're going to be like, holy cow, who's this guy? He's a senior. He's been on that team, and yeah. he's been a backup for yeah, a yeah, long they, they, time. Those kids he's don't be on the sidelines and watch the game. They're actually playing other other forms, you know, where they're not participating in the game itself, but they're practicing and they're hanging out and learning the systems. When they go in, you know, they're, not, they're not like, you know, they're you know, starry-eyed you know, overcome, you know, they're, they're like, okay, this is the big stage, but I'm ready for it. Yeah. And and, if I, and, I, and I shared this meme on Facebook a few weeks ago. It said, if Trevor Lawrence throws the touchdown pass to Tim Tebow, do not turn on ESPN for the next week. <laughs> he, he did in camp and I saw it enough. Now, <laughs> As we close out the show, real quick, Brett, uh, I can't stand Michigan fans. I had one that was trolling me. For whatever reason, I really don't know why. I forgot what the tweet was. Nonetheless, I shipped him back a, a gif of Appalachian State running up back, blocking the field goal and going on. Um, and, of course, he got quiet pretty quick. Um, and, of course, I'm not poking at him, but anyway, any chance of Ohio State losing to Michigan? Because, obviously, Jim Harbaugh can't win against him, and I don't see him doing it this year at all. No, no. Whatever the point spread is, take Ohio State in the points. I, I do have to say, though, um, you know, every fan base has their bad fans. Michigan fans as a whole are awesome. Mm -hmm. I know that is such a weird thing to say. I went to Ohio State at Michigan. I wore not something not too dissimilar to what I'm wearing now, stood in a sea of Michigan fans, and they were nothing but cool. They were awesome. shooting BS the whole time we were there. Uh, you know, at the end of the game, they're like, we didn't expect to win anyway. That's cool, man. Had good, good having here. And I can't say the same for Ohio State fans. Right. I have bad stories out of Columbus. But yeah, Michigan fans are great. Um, but sorry, no chance. Ohio State, and I'll hand you a blank check for the points. You tell me what the point spread is, and I'll take yeah. Ohio State points. You know, I'll take more, you. I'll take you on that one. Yeah. One more thing, uh, Brett. One of the things that um, what occurred to me, you mentioned the Appalachian State, where Mike mentioned he sent that GIF of the. Uh, of the blocking the kick, that had to be an eerie feeling. You know, 102,000 fans just in silence of what just happened. I would love to have been there just standing there just, you know, you could hear the crickets chirp at that point when they beat them. And, you know, it was just, you know, you get the, uh, you get that, that, that quietness just, just rolls through the stadium. There's no other feeling like it when something like that happens. It's it's cool. I I've, I mean I've been to the Ohio State Michigan game when the OHIO chants yep. were available on the telecast and have it, it sucks when it's you know the team you're rooting for, but when an outside force can come in and whether it silence the stadium or overtake the stadium, it's kind of cool. Yeah, and then then I was uh, I don't know if I saw the book or not, but there was this um, story about Woody Hayes, the legendary Ohio State coach, going to Michigan to recruit. And his car was running low on gas. And he had an assistant with him, like I think like a recruiting assistant, whatever. Like, you know what you did, recruiting assistant? No, um, I, I no. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but anyway, um, but he had an assistant with him and they were going back to Ohio and he was low on gas and they kept driving other gas stations and the assistant's like, dude, stop the car, we're gonna run out. Where he turns to the assistant and says, Dude. I will push this car to the board before I give this state a pity of my hard-earned money. <laughs> I, wa I, I wanted a shirt that's from the same company as this one, Homage, um, that just says, because I couldn't go for three. When <laughs> famous famously asked why he went for two. Yeah. Well, 
<clears throat> Brett, I appreciate your time taking the time out of your schedule and coming on uh, the podcast and talking some football. Of course, uh, feel free um, whenever you get a chance. I'd love to have you back on and during the season. And if you're ever in Norman, let me know, and I'll be glad to, to hit you up. Cool, man. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me on here. It's a lot of fun. Uh, not often I get to talk like actual like football, football rather than yep. just travel. So I really appreciate it, and I will definitely let you know when I'm in Norman. Absolutely. Good to meet you and uh, hopefully meet in person at some point. Yeah, thanks, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Air Raid Attack podcast. Give Brett Gibbons a follow on Twitter, Road to CFB. Brett, have a great weekend. David, you as well. You've been listening to the Air Raid Attack podcast. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you all next week.